I know a lot of you have experienced uh, a real uh, challenge financially. Um, the church has faced financial challenges as a result of it, but God has been so faithful. Um, you know, we had a, um, a testimony last night. James Keene shared a testimony last night just about, um, y- you know, giving. And, um, and we don't talk a lot about giving here, but um, I know this has been a real tough year for a lot of people. And I just want to encourage you to, to just keep your eyes on the Lord and not on the things that are happening in your circumstances. Uh, you know, through situations that God um, brings us through, and you know, as, as uh, believers, depending on your theology or your belief system, um, some people say, well, you know, that's the devil, the devil's doing that, and uh, it's not God, it's the devil. Well, let me just say this. Um, Whatever happens, whatever the devil does, whatever happens, uh, God, God is allowing certain things to take place. He's allowing them to take place in our nation. He's allowing them to take place uh, regionally, uh, and those things have an effect on us personally. And this is why we need to keep the big picture in mind, and we need to, to really understand that God is the one ultimately, who is in control of things. He's in control of the economy. He's in control of the governments. He's in control of, of the world affairs. He's in control of those things. And um, the things that, that God is allowing to take place can have uh, even devastating personal effects on us. And, uh, and this is why the Scripture encourages us. So I, the Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatsoever state that I'm in. Whether I abound or whether I'm in lack, it doesn't matter because Paul understood God was the one ultimately in control. Uh, if God allowed him to become shipwrecked, and he trusted that God had a reason for that, uh, whether it was to be washed up on an island and preach the gospel to the inhabitants of that island, uh, whatever it is. But I know this has been a, a tough year for a lot of you, and I just want to encourage you uh, to keep your eyes on the Lord and to, to trust him through these seasons that you're in. Uh, I know we've got two families here, um, Rick's family and Josh's family. They're from Oregon. They're from Colorado, and I know both of them are having a uh, somewhat difficult time adjusting to the Texas environment. But, you know, uh, God has sovereignly brought you here for a reason, and God knows how long he'll keep you here. And God knows where he'll take you should he decide to do that after this. But, you know, it's just understanding that, that you know, God, God is the sovereign. He's got a plan in all of this. And we walk through these things that God allows in our lives. And, and I would just really encourage you to be sensitive to hear, to listen to the voice of God. In these times especially, you know, when you read in the Scripture, you read Israel. Israel, God would allow Israel to go through things, and it was in those difficult times, oftentimes, that Israel would stop, and they would hear what God is saying. And, and I'm not saying, you know, don't read more into what I'm saying than, than, than you should. Uh, I'm not saying God is afflicting you so you can hear something. 
But it is in the midst of our affliction that we oftentimes hear. Amen? It's in those times that we become more sensitive. And maybe it's in those times that we stop and we pause and we acknowledge and we say, okay, God, I need to hear from you right now. And I'm just saying this is a time that that our nation, that the church is walking through, and this is a time for us to have hearing ears and for us to, to hear what God is saying to the church. And uh, so take time and hear what God is saying and respond appropriately. I want you to understand this. I'm not going to forget. I want to pray for you guys. You know, um, I, I've taught and preached a lot this past year. You know, God really dealt with me at the, before the beginning of last year. And he really dealt with me and he told me, he said, return to the simplicity of the gospel. And he said, go back to the gospel. Go back to the simplicity of Christ. And, um, and, and I have come to realize there, there are so many errant beliefs about the gospel and about Jesus Christ. The church is full of them. And that doesn't mean that people aren't saved. It doesn't mean that they're, they're not good, sincere. But how many of you know we can be sincerely wrong about a lot of things? And the only thing that is true is this word Amen. and what this word represents. This word is not just ink on paper. This word was given to us to reveal to us the living word, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only truth. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only life. And so, you know, God is bringing us back to seeing and knowing that way, that truth, and that life. And and that's why Paul said, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There is not anything else that has the power to save us, to change us. It is the gospel, and the gospel is not just, I'm going to get to go to heaven one day. The gospel is the reality of what Christ is doing in us and through us right now here on this earth. And if there's anything, you know, I, the last three three weeks we've done this thing on Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. It's to understand that we're not waiting for a kingdom to come. The kingdom is here. We're not waiting for a king to come. He has already come. Is he coming again? Yes, he's coming again. But he told us to be busy about the business of the kingdom until he comes again. Uh, Philippi was a, was a Roman province. It was a Roman city. And it was a Roman outpost. And, and when Rome sent those soldiers there to occupy that city, they sent them there to occupy that city until the rule of Rome for it to be established there. They didn't send those soldiers to Philippi to stay there for a while and then go back to Rome. They sent them there because Rome was coming to Philippi. 
That's what an occupying force is. See, we sometimes think that we're here on earth temporarily, and then we're going to get taken back to heaven. No, Jesus said, occupy until I come. Why? Because he has put us here because he is going to establish his rule and his kingdom here on this earth. We are the, we are the, the force that has come before him, but he's coming And he didn't leave us defenseless. He didn't leave us powerless. He didn't leave us without authority. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. He has sent us with power and with authority in spite of our circumstances, in spite of the economy, in spite of the governments, in spite of what the the kings and the nations vainly rage to plot, God is the one that's in control. And this is a season for the church to turn its ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and to see what God is doing. Amen? We're living in exciting times, church. Amen. And I appreciate all the kind words that, um, that you guys said about, about me. Um, but you know, uh, I'm just like you guys. I'm on a journey. And I, I got saved July 19th, 1984. I just was two months out of college. And that's, that's when I met the Lord. And there's no doubt in my mind that that night uh, in that home in East Austin, I was born again. Uh, now, looking at my life, subsequent to that, especially that first year, you'd have probably never believed I was born again. But I know I was. And in my journey, in my walk with the Lord from that time, I have believed a lot of things that I have come to realize are not true. I was saved the whole time I believed those things. I just, I just was ignorant. The Scripture says my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. We suffer much oftentimes because of a lack of knowledge. And uh, I, I just really, I, I encourage the people last night, I really want to encourage you to get into this word, not in a legalistic way. You know, I, I ask, I'm going to ask you guys, how many of you men or women like to use the instruction manual? How many of you, when you buy a, uh, now see all the women like the instruction manual, but no guys raise their hands. When you get something, guys, the instruction manual is not the first thing you look at. At least I'm, it's not for me. It's the last thing I look at. And, and I only look at it if I can't figure it out myself. Now, isn't that stupid? <laughs> but it's true. It's like the map oftentimes is the last thing we look at because we think we can find it without the map. You know, it's, it's been said that this is our instruction manual. I want you to know this is so much more than an instruction manual. We treat it like an instruction manual. When do you read the instruction manuals, Guy? You, you read it last. You read it when you can't figure it out any other way. You pull out the instruction manual. And, and you only read the instruction manual long enough to get the answer you're looking for, and then what do you do with the instruction manual? You, th- you put it away. Throw it away or put it away. 
it, that's the way we treat the scripture too often. This is not an instruction manual. If you want to, if you want to compare it in the natural to anything, it's 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 more of a love letter than it's an instruction manual. It's it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the written word of God to reveal the living word of God to us. It's not even about memorizing this word. You can memorize this word. Do you know the Apostle Paul had this word memorized while he was killing Christians and trying to destroy the church? It's not even about memorizing this. It's, it's, it's using this tool. This is something God has given us so that we can get the revelation of the living word, the true word, Jesus Christ. And if we only see this as an instruction manual that we go to and we don't have an answer and we can't find the answer any other way or we're so desperate that we're finally going to pick up the Bible, then we've missed the whole point of of who God is and what he's done in in sending his son and saving us. Now, I want to encourage you. I'm not not one for New Year's resolutions, but, you know, I, I told him last night, I said, in the next week, you're going to turn on the morning news programs and the talk shows and the things, and all you're going to hear about is, you know, how to start uh, the year outright, how to, how to become the you you always wanted to be, how to lose that weight, how to become more successful, how to, I mean, whatever subject, whatever you want to do, they're, they're going to be telling you how to do it. Forget all that, okay? If you're going to do anything, develop a habit. Of, of living in this word, of, of, of not just using it as your instruction manual. And I'm not saying be legalistic about how you read it. Don't be legalistic. Take the time because you desire to. Develop a desire to. Don't even worry whether you understand everything. Because, you know, if you're like me, I read this book for a long time, and there was a lot more I didn't understand than I did understand. You know what? That's okay. Because God said that he would, by his Spirit, reveal to you what needs to be revealed. And God knows how, and in his time, how to reveal to you what needs to be revealed. If we could just pick this book up and read it and understand everything about it automatically, we'd blow a circuit. It's, it's impossible. You're not going to be able to. But if you will consistently look into God's Word with a desire in a heart to know Jesus, to see Jesus, God will, by His Spirit, reveal to you. He will reveal to you what needs to be revealed. And this is why God says that we are... Paul told Timothy, he said, study to show yourself approved. This is why we come together also and we study the word together. Because this is how we learn together. We learn from one another. There were a lot of things I read in this book with the wrong perspective. And you know why I did that? I read it that way because that's what men told me I was supposed to be getting from it. And I, I, and I could remember reading Scripture, and I'm thinking, man, you know, I just don't, I don't get that. But, but now that guy, he's world famous, and surely he knows much more than I know. And so that must be what it really means, because that's what he says it means. 
the Spirit of God will reveal to you. He will. Let this word interpret what this word is saying. Don't trust what I say if what I say doesn't line up with what this word, what this scripture says. The best interpretation for the Bible is the Bible. And all I should do is reinforce what this scripture says. There's a scripture that says we shouldn't exercise ourselves in things that are beyond us. And if Paul the Apostle, the great Apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, said, there is one message that I have. It is the message of the cross. It is the message of Christ, the simplicity of Christ. Now, that's an oxymoron right there, the simplicity of Christ. The gospel is so simple, yet it is so deep. What Christ did was so simple that we have to want to miss it. But yet it is so deep and so profound, we will never be able to find the depths of it. That's what awaits you in this word. This is how God has chosen to reveal himself along with his Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you as we leave this old year and we go into a new year, let God begin to speak to you and transform your life, and your mind to the image of his son. And he, he will use this word to do it. It can't happen apart from this word. Now, if we were in China and we didn't have the scriptures, God would find a way to do it. But we're not in China. We're in America. And if you're like me, I, I couldn't tell you how many Bibles I have in my house. I have a bunch of them. So I have no reason to not access to whom much is given, much is required. So let's take the word and let's let this word transform us and renew our minds and conform us to the image of Christ that we would come to the conformity, to the fullness of the measure and the stature of Christ. Let me read one scripture and then we're going we're gonna to close. I quoted it to you earlier. It's Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, 11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. Here's Here's Paul's thought, that we should no longer be children, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. What have we been called to do? We have been called to grow up into Christ. From whom? From Christ, the whole body, joined and knit together 
by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. See, it's not just the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist or the prophet or the apostle. The Scripture says that we are the body of Christ. So guess what? My little finger cannot be sustained apart from my hand. And my hand can't be sustained apart from my arm. And my arm can't grow and be sustained apart from my torso. My hand, you know, I said last night, we're vessels, containers of the glory of God, of the presence of God. God has poured out his spirit on all flesh who will by faith receive it. Jesus said it in in Luke 11. He said, you men being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father, if you ask, how much more will he give you the Holy Spirit? If you do what? If you ask him. And so on the day of Pentecost, what happened? God poured out his spirit. And if we ask, if we will, by faith, receive Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, to indwell us, to fill us. Because Christ is living in us. And I am a vessel. You are a vessel if you're born again today. You are a vessel carrying the very presence of God, the Spirit of God. The Scripture says, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you. That's what the Scripture says. And so we are vessels. Paul said we are jars of clay, and the excellence is not the clay. He said it's the treasure and the power and the excellence that's inside. It's kind of like this bottle of water. This bottle is meaningless to me except for what's in it. The bottle didn't put the water in there. The bottle didn't make the water. The bottle is just a vessel that contains the water. The bottle simply makes the water useful. God, in his sovereignty and in his grace, has chosen to place his spirit in this vessel of clay and in your vessel of clay. And it is how he has chosen to manifest and express the life of his son in this earth. He said, we're like a hand. That that bottle doesn't work, does it? He said, we're like a hand. My hand is working, right? Why? Because my head's telling it to. But is my hand working too? My hand is working, right? If my hand was broken, I couldn't do that, could I? God doesn't have a broken body. Jesus doesn't have a broken body. Now, I know we're, in a sense, we're broken and we're we're not working all the time. But the reality is the spirit in us is, is, is doing the work. The spirit in us is bringing us to the fullness and the measure of a complete man. Of Christ. This is why we've been called together. Because unless all my body parts are connected, I'm not growing and I'm not functioning. 
It's no different with the body of Christ. This is why we've been called to come together as one. And we are one in Christ. This is why it's important for us to consider one another, to pray for one another, and to understand that it's not me or you doing the work. It is the Spirit of God in us. Remember Isaiah 9? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David to rule there and to establish it by judgment and justice from that time even forevermore. In the last sentence in verse 7 says, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It is the Spirit of God working in you that is performing what God is purposing to do. The question is, do we see ourselves as part of his body? See, my hand does what the head directs it to do. Do you see yourself as part of the body that is being directed by the head? who is Christ Jesus. Do you see and understand that your hand has no life apart from what is being supplied from the head, from the life that comes from the head? Christ is our life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, Paul wrote in Colossians 3, 4, you will appear with him in glory. When you see Christ as your life, See, it's not a little me and a big God, and God's got me by the hand walking with me. I heard a preacher on the radio talking about that this morning, and I'm thinking, my God, that is so wrong. What we're teaching people is so wrong. God's not someone that walks with me. If I am born again, I have been incorporated into his body. He is my life now. If God's just someone that walks with me, I can... I can Break fellowship with him and walk away over here. And that's what this guy was saying. No, listen. If you've been born again, you have been brought into the body, into the fellowship of God. Paul says you are not your own anymore. He said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Christ is my life. Christ is your life, church. He is your life. But he's not your life apart from everybody else. He is your life in one with everybody else. We are connected together. We walk together. We live and move and have our being together in him. God wants to reveal himself to you through this word. And his spirit will empower you and open your eyes and open your ears will. It will if you will trust him to do it. If, if we will stop seeing this as an instruction manual and seeing it for what it truly is. This is life. It is the revelation of Christ who is our life. And that spirit will illuminate it and make it come alive that we would know the living Christ. Amen. We have an exciting, I'm excited about the new year. I'm telling you, we live in the most exciting times I think we could ever live in.
This is the time that God has chosen sovereignly for you to live on planet earth. God is aware of everything that's happening in your life. Everything. Trust him. If you need direction from heaven, then seek direction from heaven. God has the answer. God has the direction. God has the wisdom. He does. There's nothing happening that he is unaware of. There's not. The question is, do we trust him? Do we trust him? And sometimes God will bring correction. Sometimes God will bring instruction. Sometimes God will bring a redirection, whatever needs to be done to bring us into, to grow us up into Christ in all things. Amen? Let's all stand.